we live right now? If you guys can hear us, tell me in the side comments that you can hear us just fine. We're doing this in a very random location with a non-random human being, Mr. Carl Allen, the guy who buys more businesses than I can keep track of. We are super excited about talking about creative financing and buying businesses today with Carl Allen. Flew all the way from Manchester. Do you say Manchester, United Kingdom or Manchester, England? So Manchester, what's the difference between United, United Kingdom is all of the countries combined. Yeah. So United Kingdom is England, Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland. Love it. So to be safe, I could always say United Kingdom. Yeah. Or UK for short. Or UK for short. Yeah. See how Americans are ignorant about just about no everything. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, if you guys are hanging out with us in the live, we're going to be talking about buying businesses creatively. And I've got Mr. Carl Allen with us. Now, what I want to start off with is welcome everybody on here. By the way, if you're on the Facebook group or you're on one of the other YouTube channels, the smart thing to always do is go over to my YouTube channel. It's where we typically will get 500, 600, sometimes 900 or more live viewers on my YouTube channel. Why is that a better fit? Well, it helps the YouTube channel for me, but also that's where most of our viewers live are watching. So if you guys are trying to network in the comments, which you should be, you should be over on my YouTube channel. So go to youtube.com forward slash Pace Morby, head over there. Today, we're going to be talking to Carl Allen about creative financing and acquiring businesses, some with money, some with no money down. And I have the pleasure of hanging out with you guys in Tampa, Florida. Yes. It's going to be you, Abraham Gray. Yes. Myself talking yes. about deal making, buying businesses, yep. creative finance in general. Um, and you guys can, if you guys want to find out how to get over there, my wife is coming. My kids are coming. That's how cool this event is. Wow. It's going to be, um, I can't remember the dates. I'm sorry. 24th to the 26th of February in Tampa. 24th to 26th of February in Tampa, Florida. And you can go to dealmaker.live to get more details of that. Dealmaker.live and the, the team like Carly and Sarah. By the way, guys, give Carly and Sarah some love in the side comments. And also, we have a live audience today. You know what we should do? Because I haven't had a live audience for Get Creative Podcast. So what we might do is if you guys have questions in the live audience, I might have the team turn the camera around and have you guys ask a question. That's so awesome. That'd be freaking cool. That'd be really cool. Live audience. Freaking welcome, live audience. This is dope. <laughs> Check it out. Live audience, everybody. Live audience. This is very exciting. So uh, Carl Allen, you came all the way from Manchester. I did. To hang out with us for the last three days. Thank you so much for doing that. My pleasure. It was amazing. It was, it was one of the big hits of our three-day mastermind. Everybody keeps saying, more Carl Allen. I love that. So we're going to give him some more Carl Allen today. Tell me, um, obviously, we're, you were not born in Minnesota. That's no. not where the accent comes from. Where were you born? <clears throat> um, and how did you make yourself in? How did, make, how did you make your way into United States business? Okay. So I was born in uh, Manchester, England where I reside uh, quite a lot of my time. And I went to work on Wall Street. So I left university when I was 21. So that's 30, 31 years ago now, so I'm 52. I went to work on Wall Street, buying and selling businesses for the likes of- Does 30 years go by faster than you thought it was gonna go by? Yeah, crazy. Yeah, absolutely unbelievable. It three, goes by like that. Three decades, uh, five children later, a grandchild now. Oh, granddaddy. Yeah, granddaddy. Wow, that's uh, cool. Yeah, I have a two-year-old granddaughter, Lola. Whoa, yeah. cool. Yeah, it's amazing. So, I so went you to depart, come to Wall Street in America. Yeah. So I 21 went to, years old. Uh, 21 years old. Um, I started working for an investment bank, Bank of America in London. 
uh, within a few months, I was deployed to work on some deals with IBM and GE and Boeing and a lot of those types of businesses. So I came over to the States and uh, it was amazing. Have you ever seen the movie G.I. Jane? Love that. So G.I. Jane. She's, she was, she, I'm into brunettes. She was so hot. Yeah, I know. So the very first day she goes in the Navy Shield training and they say to her, the Master Chief says, 90% um, of you will not survive this course and the first day does not end until I get my first quitter. They, I think they stole that from Wall Street because that's the exact same thing they told us on our orientation day. The first day doesn't end until we have our first quitter. Yeah, it was 7.30 a.m. you imagine being the first quitter of that day? Yeah, 7.30 a.m. the following day. And what they used to do, they would give you what they called sweat deals. So they give you imaginary deals, make you think like you're a real deal maker. You're analyzing balance sheets and income statements and all this stuff. And they're made up. They this is at see, tw age 21. Age 21. They want to see, have you got the chops? Have you got the grit to really tough it out? A bit like in, 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 the, in the military, in the Navy SEALs. So I did that. Um, I worked on Wall Street for many, many years. Um, I left, gosh, must have been 2002. So survived the whole kind of meltdown of the dot-com. And I just got kind of burnt out and stale. So I left, uh, I went to business school in Chicago. So I went to the uh, Graduate School of Business in Chicago. Then I went to work for a private equity firm and we invested in a technology company, which we ended up selling to HP, the computer company. And I went along with that deal. So my last real job was working for HP. So I was doing deals all over the world. I spent $26 billion of their money buying software companies and service companies. So you were kind of like a, a mercenary. Like they would say, here's our, here's our ammunition, which is money. Yeah. Go out and take prisoners. Absolutely. Yeah. But that changed. My life completely changed on the 1st of February, 2008. So it's 15 years. Damn, don't bring up 2008, bro. Like It's 15 years on people, Some people have, anybody have PTSD from 2008? Hot yeah. damn. <laughs> yeah. So I have PTSD because the 1st of February 2008, I'm in a boardroom in Moscow, in Russia, and I'm with my CEO of HP, a guy called Mark Hurd, and we're trying to buy this company. And it's a really kind of complicated deal. We're doing all these negotiations, and my phone is ringing like every 30 seconds. It's my wife. I'm like, okay, something's wrong, and she was pregnant at the time. So I answers the phone. I said, hey, honey, you know, sorry, can't chat for long. I'm trying to get this deal done. I'll probably be home in a couple of days. She's like, you need to come home right now. My waters have broke. I know I'm four weeks early. I'm in the back of the ambulance. You got to get back to the UK. So, oh my God. So I panicked. Luckily, I had my phone, my wallet, and my passport. I ran out of the meeting room. I hailed a cab, which is not easy in the center of Moscow. Uh, my luggage and my computer are still there. I've never been back. So I, I dashed to the airport, flew home police escort from the airport to the hospital and I made it and my son was born about 10 minutes later and yes 10, so min I made 10 minutes to spare 10 minutes to spare my wife bless her she held on um it was it was crazy so I'm creating this little guy in my arms and he was wearing a little hat babies come with hats I didn't realize that uh so wearing this little hat and I'm creating this look he was so small because he was like four weeks early and I looked at him and I just said I can't do this anymore you know, running all over the world, working for other people, I'm, I'm done. So I walked away from like seven figures of options and bonuses and all that nonsense, and I, and I quit. I, I retired at 37, 
to become a dad. Uh, I had other children as well, but um, I thought I was going to be here for my family. Three weeks later, I was ready to kill myself. It was like, oh my God, like I'd gone from 100 miles an hour to nothing. And, um, and I wasn't feeling too great. I sat down with my wife one day and I said, like, what am I going to do? I don't want to have another job. I want to be close to you. I don't want to be traveling all over the world. She said, well, you know, your biggest strength is your biggest weakness. You know how to do deals, but damn, you don't want to be running a business or working for somebody else. So I decided to become a business broker. So business brokers like the MLS. This is an interesting job that a lot of people don't know exists. Yeah. It is, are, there, are there like only one business broker per state? No, there's thousands and thousands and thousands. Do you have like an MLS like Biz by Sell or um, like Empire Flippers website closes? You I, these- I want people to be aware of this because when I you know got into your world, I'm, I've been a fan of yours. Thank I've you. all, I, I tease you when I first met you in person. I was like, you should have not stopped doing YouTube because you're so great. You're articulate. Your storytelling is amazing. Thank you. you guys should have been doing a lot more along the way. But what people don't notice or don't know about this business that we're about to talk about, yep. which is acquiring and and, and buying businesses is that this is a massive deal. Oh yeah. Just because you don't see it going on doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So did you already know business brokers existed at this point? I I did. And obviously there's hierarchies of business brokers. So you've got investment banks, right? to work. We're doing billion dollar deals. Then you've got boutique corporate finance firms. They're doing the 10 to hundred million dollar deals. And then all the other deals, which bear in mind are 99% of all the businesses in the world those are sold by business brokers. Um, some of them are one-man bands. Some of them are larger companies. So I thought I'd be a, become a business broker. I know how to buy and sell companies. I know how to broker deals. I know how to negotiate. So my very first deal that I looked at, it was a transportation company. Now, bearing in mind, I'd come out of the technology industry. I'd done engineering deals, software deals. I didn't know much about transportation, trucking. So I found this deal. I set myself up in my spare room at home in my office and started looking for deals and I found this transport company and I spent three months, really got to know the business, the owners, the customer base, the opportunity. And my job was to go out and find a buyer. Now as a broker, but like as a real estate agent, you make the money on the back end. You make the money when you transact. Mm. So I'll never forget. I'd found this buyer. We'd agreed the deal. All the due diligence had been done. It's the night before closing. Now in England, UK, uh, Manchester United. Um, most <laughs> most deals close on a Friday. Everybody works like a Friday close. All the deals close on a Friday. So it's Thursday night. I'm in my office at home getting all my documents ready. I've got like a quarter of a million dollar fee waiting for me tomorrow when this deal closes. You know, I've done all the work. And the phone rings and it's the one of the business owners, two brothers, Colin and Alan. And I said, hey, excited. Are you Did ready you to just go? say Carl and Alan? Colin and Alan. Oh, okay. I'm like, damn, yeah. that's... Yeah. Really weird. Yeah. Yeah. That is weird. That <laughs> Carl weird. and Alan. Okay. So Colin and Alan, the two brothers of this transport company, they, they said, Hey, we're pulling this deal. I'm like, no, three months of work down the line. You know, why are you pulling the deal? Come down. We've called an all hands employee meeting and we'll, we'll, we'll explain it. So I get in my car, I'm driving down the, we call them motorways in the UK and it's lashing down with rain. And I walked into the business and it was a transportation company, but it had a, like a warehousing business with it as well. So all the employees are all in the warehouse and there's lots of kind of like sad faces. And I said, like, you know, what's going on? They said, well, we've pulled the deal because the buyer has come into the business today and told us he's firing everybody. He only wants the trucks 
and he only wants the customers. Oh, my word. He's selling the real estate to a supermarket chain. He doesn't want any of the employees. And whilst you've done a great job getting us this amazing offer price for the business, we can't retire on a beach drinking cocktails, knowing that all these employees are going to be put in harm's way. Some of them have been with us 25 years. So we can't do that. And I'll never forget these words. He said, go out there and find me a safe pair of hands. And you probably hear me say that a lot. A safe pair of hands. A safe pair of hands. To essentially hand the business over to you. Yeah. Go and find somebody that's going to cherish and nurture this business. Man, this is like, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, I've got Brad from A&E here. Like, why is there not a TV show about acquiring businesses like this with all these people and all these issues? Like, that would be so freaking cool. That would be cool. Oh, because Carl and Brad just barely. Brad, that's cool. He's yeah. one of the most important men on the planet, you should know. Yeah. Love you, bro. He's he's one of the very, very cool. Yeah. I'm already, I'm like, I'm, I'm de- is this interesting to you guys? I'm I'm sitting here like, ooh, ooh, what are you what are you gonna do about so, this? So I'm in this I'm in this meeting and the bear in mind there's fifty-five people all sit around in a circle and I'm in the middle with these two brothers and they said we want somebody that's gonna protect our legacy. And I come from Wall Street, where it's all about math, it's ammunition, it's money as a weapon, let's go kill people, let's let's get deals done. On Main Street, it deals are about seller psychology more than they are about money. They said, Go and find us a buyer, we don't care what the offer is. We don't care how the deal's structured. Go and find us somebody that's going to protect our legacy, retain the brand, and cherish the employees that have served this company for so long. And I don't know what possessed me. And if I hadn't have said what I'm about to tell you, I wouldn't be sat here today. I looked them in the eye and I said, I will buy the business. And they looked at each other. They actually started laughing. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah, I will buy the business. They said, well, you know nothing about the transport industry. I said, well, I know enough. I've been in this business for three months. I know everything. I know how to grow it. I know how, what a great business this is. I will buy the business. I can raise some money off the back of the assets that you've got. There's cash in the business. It's cash flowing. Banks will lend me some money. Don't know how much yet. And then I'll make you a closing payment. I can split the profits maybe over the next three or four years with you as well. And I pointed at the financial controller. I pointed at the operations manager. And I pointed at the sales manager and I said, I'm going to give them 10% of the company and then we'll have a profit share for all of the employees. And everyone's like, yeah, they're all cheering. One of the big truckers, he was like six foot seven. How he got in a truck, I don't know. He picks me up. He's swinging me around. I'm like, what's going on? So they looked at each other and they said, well, we'll give you 30 days. If you can come up with whatever you can come up with, if you can get the money in 30 days, we'll do the deal with you. So I'm like, great. So I get in my car. I'm driving home. I calls my wife. How did it go? So it went really, really well. She said, well, who's going to buy it? I said, I'm going to buy it. She's like, what <laughs> have you done? She said, I, well, I'm not being funny. Go for it. My wife uh, was a CPA. She said, go for it. You know what you're doing. But I tell you, do some of that Wall Street stuff. You're not spending any of our money. Go and use other people's money to do that deal. You know how to do that. So I called the bank the next day. Uh, I got lots of money for a closing payment. We structured a deal. All the due diligence was done. Everything was cool. And we, I closed that deal in about 14 days. And that was my very first deal that I ever did. And then what was interesting is it took about three years. Why is our live audience not giving him a round of applause right now? That, that's, that's pretty dope, right? Saving, saving a company. 
and finding a safe pair of hands and you stepping yeah. up to the plate and going, man, I know how to do this. Yeah. Go structure the deal, go use somebody else's money. And then you also bring in the C-suite and you go, hey, yeah. I'm going to give you guys 10% of the ownership. Yeah. We're going to do profit share for the people. Yeah. So it actually improved maybe even That's the employee right. setup that they had before you. Yeah. We doubled the business in about three years. Uh, really did really, really well. And then after three years, once the financing had been paid off and the sales had been paid off, I let the three managers plus the rest of the employees buy me out. So I took an exit, which again was a closing payment plus a future payment stream, and then they took the business on. They've then since done Bolton acquisitions, and then they've sold out to a much larger organization. So that was my first ever deal. And if I hadn't have said those words, I will buy the business, I wouldn't be in this amazing place now where I can coach thousands of students how to do this and then literally buy businesses every single month. Very cool. Very cool. Very, very cool. Okay. So you, you get into the business. Let's ask some obvious questions. Sarah, how many people do we have on the live right now? So 537 people plus a live audience. Thank you guys for, so much for, for um, being here. Again, if you guys are trying to learn how to acquire businesses um, with creative finance, we're going to talk about that yeah. in Tampa at Creative Dealmaker. No. Dealmaker.live. Dealmaker.live. I'm sorry, guys. Dealmaker.live. Please, please put that in the side chat. Carly or Sarah, please. Dealmaker.live. I will be there. My wife will be there. My kids will be there. We'll be spending a, a couple of days, actually. I'm going to spend the day with you guys Saturday night, yep. all day Sunday. Perfect. And then on Monday, I'm going to hang out with uh, some people that come to the live. I'm going to take them to some properties I own in Tampa wow. and do a little property tour. It should Amazing. Be a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. What are some of the questions that pop up in your mind immediately? Is it, why should I buy a business instead of real estate? Yep. Tell me that. If somebody says, yeah. well, Pace, why would I... Why would I learn how to buy real estate creatively versus learning how to buy a business creatively? Like, why would I do one or the other? You should do both. Oh, damn. You should absolutely do both. So one of the reasons why I joined Sub2. Oh, look at that. Carl Allen. I wanna, boom, 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 boom. Is I, I want to learn. I want to learn how to do real estate deals because the skill sets of being a real estate acquirer, a real estate investor, and a business acquirer are very, very similar. It's all about creative financing. It's all about deal flow. It's all about negotiation. Yeah, it's, it's all also about, about that seller, like you, the, the seller rapport with, yeah. with what you and understanding the seller and what they're trying to acquire. Exactly. This is your first deal is very similar to my first deal is yeah. you understanding what the seller was trying to accomplish yep. is where you made your money. Yep. Instead of people looking at the numbers like a Wall Street person. Yep. Literally, the fundamentals are the exact same. Exactly the same. So I can translate my business buying expertise into acquiring real estate. And real estate acquirers can translate their skills into buying businesses. There are nuances on both sides, but you should definitely do both. The returns on business acquisitions can be higher, but real estate, it's a safer investment, isn't it? Like COVID killed some businesses. Yeah. COVID didn't kill real estate. Real estate's still there. Valuations fluctuate, but the physical asset's still there. And what one of the reasons why I'm moving to the States, because I'm doing more deals over here, because... This is really the land of opportunity. I want to buy real estate because it's a tax incentive. In the UK, they don't do that. The UK is like Ooh. pretty, yeah, we're very archaic. That's too bad. Yeah, you can't. You do can any avoid of that. all taxes here if you just own real estate. I know. 
Why do you think I'm moving here? A little cheat code. I know. Absolutely. I love it. Okay. So acquiring businesses brings in a lot of income, which is great. Absolutely. And then you yes. can offset that income by acquiring real estate. Exactly. So it's kind of the great double whammy. Yeah. And what you can also do is buy businesses that own real estate. Yes. So you can buy hotels, bars, restaurants, stores. Um, you can buy like a manufacturing company might have real estate that comes with it. So you can combine the two when you actually do an acquisition. So okay, a couple of questions. Because we, uh, what I want to do is I, we had the team stay late tonight. So we're going to go 25 more minutes. That's it. Okay, if you guys want us to bring Carl Allen back multiple times, please make a comment down in the, in the, in the side comments. We'd love to, to hear what you guys have to say. Also, you guys can see us in Tampa at uh, dealmaker.live. But a couple of questions if I was brand new that I would want to sure. know. If I started, let's say right now, here we are, February 1st, basically, yep. 2023, yep. I have 11 months left to go. Yep. Could I find a business, acquire that business with creative finance, Yep. use no, no money of my own, no money of your own, and have cash flow coming in by the end of the year? You could have cash, you could do that and have cash flow coming in by the end of February. Or even end of end of March. Interesting. Like, do you want me to tell you exactly how to wow, do it? Wow. Like, Look at this. How dope is it to have a live audience? Should I just do this yeah. every Sunday? Have a live audience? Yeah. Uh, that that'd yeah. be great. So, do you want me to tell you exactly how to do it in two minutes? Yes. Right. Okay. So, step number one: define your buy box. Okay. Well, there's two million plus businesses for sale in the United States right now. There's too many deals for you to look at. Write that down. Two million businesses 2.1 million okay 2.1 million for for sale is that does that mean 2.1 million for sale that have actively said hey i want to i'm raising my hand i want to sell my business or is that collectively even the off-market stuff that, that have not been approached yet? yeah it's both okay yeah, got it it's both okay so about a million online i'm selling i've got a price and about a million that they're talking to wealth managers attorneys cpas okay. Love it. Uh, that want to sell so first thing you do, go define your buy box. So, you know, what are my skills? What's my background? What am I passionate about? Do I like e-com? Do I like healthcare? Do I like manufacturing? Whatever, whatever your sector is, determine that. Do you have Do you have a buy box that you could say in less than twenty seconds? Yeah. So I'm into e-com, professional services, uh, manufacturing, and I love buying CPA firms. Those are my buy boxes. Oh my gosh, CPA firms. That's a that's a lead gen for you too, right? Oh yeah. That's so why I, I like where's Armand? So Armand, just so you know, so I was talking to Armand earlier today. He's like, you know, Pace, you know what you should do? We were talking, yeah. He's like, you should go buy CPAs for, CPA firms because then you have all the data of what these businesses are doing that you could then approach them for acquiring. Exactly. Them. Yeah, it's a lead gen. So. And, and, and you know, if you're a business owner, before yep. you go anywhere near a broker, you tell four people, apart from your spouse, you tell your CPA, your attorney, you tell your wealth manager, and you tell your bank or whoever else is partnering with you financially in the business. So if you're building a network of those professionals in your local area, they have access to deal flow before anyone else gets it. And okay. off-market deal flow is the So buy box, right? Abraham, will you, Nathan, will you put this on Abraham in the pink shirt? Flip-flop boy. Look at for the flip-flops. Okay, um, Abraham, real quick, will you here, uh, Kihano, grab this mic. I want to ask Abraham, what is your buy box? Okay, because Abraham's also going to be in town. Oh, dope. Sarah's on it, guys. Hey, what's up? Yeah. Give it up for so, Abraham, guys. Give him some love, please. Live audience, live audience. Boom, 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 boom. Love you, man. Yeah. Okay, so Abraham Gray, just so you guys know, um, has done over 400 deals with sub two students in the last couple of years. He understands real estate at a very high level, but also, 
He owns about 40 businesses, somewhere around there. Yeah. None of them are a shoe company. Otherwise, he would be wearing shoes right yeah. now. <laughs> I can't um, afford them. You can't afford them. <laughs> so the other day, you told me a buy box via text message. And I just thought, hey, Carl Allen, myself, and you are going to be speaking in Tampa. Yes. I want to give them another face to look at for them to come out to dealmaker.live. What is your buy box? So this is what's seconds? so cool. Me and Carl have totally different buy boxes. Like the stuff that he buys, I don't buy. And the stuff that I buy, he doesn't buy. So there's not really a right or wrong. Everyone should have a separate buy box, just like in real estate. My buy box is as simple as, well, I love entertainment in general. So I have a lot of entertainment concepts, but I really like buying stuff. That, entertainment meaning like strip clubs? Um, yes, yes. No, okay. No. I have uh, I just, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Yeah, what entertainment. I'm stupid. Yeah. So I have a. Um, axe throwing. I have a bunch of, I have 16 axe throwing locations throughout the country. I have a lot of escape rooms. I have arts and craft studios. I have some putt-putt golf. I have uh, a lot of those type of entertainment stuff. But I also have trophy stores. I have a whole bunch of gyms, martial art gyms and CrossFit gyms. And I have some restaurants some dessert stores. So basically what I like to buy is just, I like buying stuff that is making at least six figures. So, you know, at least a hundred thousand a year, but I try to, you know, are you to, saying in net profit or, net, re no, no, or revenue? Net, net, net. Yeah. Okay. Net. In, in gross, it's going to be at least half a million to a million typically, but I look at um, stuff that so I have three important things. So a business essentially that you would acquire that at least in your first year of owning it, you're going to walk away with a hundred thousand, at least a hundred thousand. And that's on the low side. I, I go for a little bit more, but that, that was kind of my threshold. Okay. And then I look at ones that basically have an owner operator that's going to be there. Like if the business owner is the one running the whole business, then um, those kind of die right away. Unless there's somebody like really high up in there that could take over. So I don't want to buy a business and then have to like hire people. I do sometimes, but I don't want to hire the, the person running it. And I don't want to run it myself. I don't want to buy a job. I want to buy a business, right? I want to buy that cash flow. So that that's a really, really important one. And then of course, the third one is something very, very similar to real estate. I want to buy one from a motivated seller. Um, they have to be motivated. And you know, if they're motivated, you can get the price that you want, the terms that you want, just like in creative financing when we're getting sub twos in order to find. If you are trying to buy a property, and you're buying it from an owner that's not motivated, are you ever going to be able to buy it sub two or ever? No. Be, impossible. No. Well, it's the same thing. It's the same thing in business. And um, there's many, many reasons why people get motivated. Obviously, the big one is they're retiring, but it could be divorce. It could be sick. It could be they're moving. It could be, you know, the, they're just getting burnt out. They have a better opportunity. You go on forever. But the point is you got to find these motivated sellers. So th those are the three most important things. And okay. Then, and then we'll, we're, that's one of the things we're going to get to. I know you said you're going to give us in two minutes, but I wanted people yep. to understand what a buy box was. Yep. Surprisingly, a lot of people, not surprisingly, I got to remind myself that I didn't know what a buy box meant at yep. one point. So Abraham, give it up for Abraham, live audience. I like, I like having a live audience. This is dope. Yeah. Okay. So you got to determine your buy box. Yeah. So you and I imagine for somebody that is like, okay, I know what a buy box is but I need somebody to coach me on what my buy box should be based yeah. on my personality, who yeah. I am, my resources. That's actually something you coach on. Yeah. And there's, there's kind of three things in a buy box. One is you, you know, staying in your lane, do a deal in an industry that you either love or you've got some experience in. And if not, you can partner with people like on real estate, um, stick in the kind of one, one to $10 million kind of revenue range. Um, when you go below that to Abraham's point, you're really buying a job. When you go above, kind of the $10 million range, private equity, family offices, big corporates are buying those businesses. Do you know only one in 11 businesses that tries to sell in the United States actually does? 
This was one this was mind blowing to me when I figured this out. One in eleven. Those those two million plus businesses that are for sale and have been for years on end. There was just over there was two hundred and six thousand businesses changed hands in the United States in two thousand. Yeah, there's ten times that for sale. That's right. Eleven times that for sale. So you've got unlimited inventory and baby boomers. Um, there's ten thousand baby boomers retiring every single day in the United States, and a ton of them own small businesses. Damn, we got a lot, we got a lot of people in this country. Day. Ten thousand people retiring every single day. So you've got two hundred sixty thousand businesses exchange hands last year. Yeah, but there's two point one million for sale. Yeah, two hundred six thousand. And you're telling me that there's property, there's businesses out there that in their first year I could make a hundred thousand dollars. Absolutely. So literally, somebody that's brand new to this. Yep. Can go out, identify their buy box. Yes. Right. Stay in their lane. Yep. Whether it's through a partnership or by themselves, solo dolo, yep. they could jump into and have a six-figure income within their first couple of months. Absolutely, and be, be cash flowing in in a matter of weeks if you do it the right way. Damn. You know what'd be cool? It's like I know Carl's trying to do more real estate. Like, why why don't I do real estate with him and he does businesses with me? What do you say, Abraham? Will you make sure this happens? Is that is that what you've been trying to do here? Yeah. Okay. So I bought a business today. You might have noticed for two hours this afternoon. Yeah, you I disappeared. Yeah, yeah. I went to a meeting. I bought a business today that I found out about on Friday, mm. and that business will cash flow from tomorrow. So my um, origination to cash flow is Friday through Monday, three days. I already know the number one question that people are going through because it's the same thing with real estate. Like when you buy somebody's house sub two or seller finance. The number one question, Kihana, what what do people ask you? Why, why, why? No, no, they they say, why would the seller do that? Yeah. It's I, it's one of the most common questions yeah. I'm sure you guys get because you're yeah. it's like you're painting this picture of this perfect world of like, oh, I can go and acquire a business yep. and I can cash flow, and the seller is going to go. You're going to sorry, the people that are learning this go, but why would the seller want to sell something yeah. that I want to buy? Absolutely, most so, common question. Most common question I get in real estate is how do I get started? Yep. Second question I get in when I'm talking about creative finance is why would a seller sell? Yeah. We'll get to that. Okay. But I keep cutting you off because I'm super interested. Okay. I apologize. Has this been good, by, by the way, guys? Yeah. yeah. So you were going through in two minutes how to, how to do this by the end of February or yep. whatnot. And you, we, yep. we cut you off on find your buy box. Okay. So you've done your buy box. Next thing you do is you've got to go and do deal origination. So there's two ways to do deal origination. You can go to all the business brokers, and there's literally tens of thousands of them. Uh, what you can do with brokers is search for deals that are almost 12 months since listed. Because how, how indifferent? It's like the same thing as real estate. It's like we go to real estate agents and brokers, and we go, yo, dude, you can't sell this. Just, you know, it's like we go on the, the MLS, and we look at stuff that's been on the market for over 100 days. Yep. And that's where, like Kevin Cho, he's not in here right now, but the last three deals he sold me, yep. he literally just goes on and goes, you're not selling this. It's not getting movement. Yep. How do we, let's apply creative finance to this. Exactly the same. The you freak, can't do that man. with a listing that's three days old. Is this, I'm the American Carl Allen and he's the UK Pace Morby. Is Absolutely. that what's going on? What the freak let's is go. going on, man? You're far more handsome than I am though. Bro, Why? they were afraid to put us together earlier. We would have exploded the whole world. There you go. Wow. It's crazy. Okay. So keep yeah. going. I'm sorry. So uh, you can go and find broker deals that are eight listings because then they're highly motivated to sell. But the best deals I've ever done have been off market. So you can build a network of the people we talked about before, wealth managers, CPAs, lawyers, people in the industry that you know, and they will send you deal flow. 
a little bit like wholesaling. So they might find a deal. They don't want to do anything with For it. For a moment, I didn't realize you were talking about businesses. I actually thought you were talking about wholesaling. Yeah. So this, so this deal I got is effectively like a wholesale deal. Uh, so I'll, I'll pay the, uh, the person that sent it to me $15,000 for sending it to me. This is an e-com business. It's doing a million top line, $100,000 in cash flow. I'm buying, it comes with $300,000 of inventory, which I've physically seen today. I'm buying that business for $150,000 total payment, but I don't have to make that payment for 60 days. So tomorrow morning- Are we talking about businesses or like creative finance real estate? Yeah. This is literally every little parallel you could draw. We do, we do so many real estate deals like this too. It's like- yeah down payment seller wants a down payment great no problem i'll give you that down payment 60 over days. 60 days or my best one ever as i said i'll give you ten thousand dollar down payment yeah but i'll give it to you over the course of a year yeah. and the property cash flowed 12 grand that year yeah net cash flow so yeah. i actually gave them all the cash flows the first year was my down payment yeah and you owned it and okay. i owned it yeah i owned it from day one yeah. before i even gave them the down payment so i need to pay you the can seller. seller finance your down payment and business buying too 100 percent yeah, 100%. So I've got to make that payment in 60 days. Yes, I can pay it from my own cash. That's no problem. But I don't need to because that $300,000 of inventory is worth about a million dollars of revenue because of the margins the business has. So when I turn those ads on tomorrow morning when I own that business, then I'll have that $150,000 of cash in a matter of weeks. Or you can bring in a financial partner. If I wanted to, yeah. A private money lender. Yep. You could um, do what you said. You could get yep. a loan against the equipment potentially. That's right. Yep. There's a bunch of different ways you can leverage. Yep. Same thing in real estate. Yep. The freak. That's right. That's right. But the best way to finance a business acquisition, if you've got the right seller and the right seller psychology, and we'll talk about that in a minute, is just to finance the deal over an extended period of time. And we call that an annuity deal. And the reason it's called an annuity deal is I was on a call. Uh, annuity, A-N-N-U-I-T-Y, annuity. annuity. Yeah. yeah, like a financial annuity. And the reason Most call, people don't know what that means. The reason we call it an annuity deal, so it's like a regular payment deal. Uh, one of the challenges with baby boomers is most of them don't have retirement. Right. Their business is their retirement. They don't have a big 401k that's going to sustain their life. So their biggest challenge is if I sell my business and I take it all at closing, then I pay all this tax on that money, then I invest it with my wealth manager, who's going to take fees, that's going to generate an income, then I got to pay more tax and more fees. How on earth do I stretch that money over 10, 15, 20 years of my retirement? Well, they can't. It's a major problem. So what I can do, I can buy the business from them for a lot more money than what they think it's worth, but then I'm going to cash flow that payment over 10 15, 20 years. This is freaking real estate. It's real estate. I tell people all the time. Isn't it crazy? I, yeah. I tell people the value of the, the value of the thing, I'm, the value of the house is never the purchase price. It's what I can do with it. Exactly. Because people criticize me and they go, hey, you paid 50 grand over retail. I'm like, yeah, but it cash flows. And I got into it with no money out of pocket. That's right. And the seller had the right psychology to seller finance me, not only my down payment, but a lot of times I can get the seller to pay for the closing costs for me to take over their, their property. Yep. Exactly. Exactly the same in business. Okay. Now, again, I'm new, so I, you're going to – somebody like a Carl Allen and Abraham Gray will help me find my buy box, determine yep. my buy box. Yep. They'll help me find a, a deal, deal like that, yep. deal flow. Then I need somebody to analyze it and look at it, help yep. me structure the deal, Yep. right, based yep. on pace. You have no money. 
Yep. And you have no credit. Yep. So we need to structure this deal based on seller psychology yep. and based on your current situation and your yep. resources. Yep. That's something you teach. Absolutely. Can people learn about that at dealmaker.live? Absolutely. So deal, it's dealmaker.live. What, what are the dates, Abraham? Okay, February 24th, 25th, 26th in yep. Tampa, Florida. And we're going to go deep on all of this stuff. People will walk away from that event and know exactly how to do all what, this. What, what, who wants to own a business with me in the next 90 days? Oh. I mean, it, what's what's interesting is like for me, buying real estate is like putting on a pair of pants. Same thing with you with real yeah. estate or with businesses. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I bought a business Friday. I'm cash flowing by Monday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dude, they shouldn't have put us together. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, God, dude. God, dude. Isn't it interesting, though, <laughs> that the, the two ways historically that people have amassed wealth is buying businesses and buying real estate, and they're 95% the same in terms of process, psychology, structure, origination. Very, very similar. They're very, very similar for a reason. And the motivation of the seller. But all the same. Because you get, it, for us, we call it them a tired landlord. Yep. Okay, you guys have a tired business owner. Yeah. Do you guys have a, a name you call these people? We call our people tired landlords, right, Abraham? You just yeah. call them a motivated seller. I call them distressed sellers of good businesses. That's what I call distressed them. sellers of good businesses. And essentially, what you're talking about is your. Let's say that the avatar of somebody that built a trucking company for 20 years. Yeah. They weren't educated on how to build a business to exit. That's right. And so what happens when their time frame comes, they're like, man, this has paid all my payments my whole yep. life. It's paid for my kids' college, my wedding, yep. this, my that, all this stuff. I've had great life, but now I'm ready to hang up the hat. Yep. And they go to go sell it to a with a business broker and nobody's there to, to, to buy it. No one's there to buy it. And even if a big, hungry- But, but meanwhile, in, people are going to it. business school trying to figure out how to build a business. Yep. I know. And you know what's crazy? That's stupid. Yeah. So I, I don't understand why, why people start businesses. It's like- you know, if you, if you want a Tesla, do you go on eBay and buy all the components, the glass, the battery, the wheels, Hell the no. cables, and then go on YouTube and figure out how do I connect it all together to make it work? No. No. You go to Tesla, you buy one that they've built for you, and you can finance the purchase of it. That's exactly why people should buy businesses rather than start. I, I agree entirely. So um just recently, right? Got reintroduced. I've been a fan of yours for a while. Thank you. Get introduced by Abraham Gregg, good friend of mine out of Atlanta, Georgia. Actually, the richest man in Atlanta. He's and, my business partner as well. I and, love him. And currently the richest man in Arizona. When you leave Arizona, I'm the richest man in Arizona. <laughs> okay. Um, so we get re reintroduced, but um, I, I look at this and I'm like, okay, in the last six months, one thing that I am constantly referring out in my life is property insurance. Okay. So I go to my team and I go, guys, we need to start a property insurance company, right? Got a big building. There's a big building, got hundreds of employees. Shout out to our employees for staying late tonight. Thank you guys so much. Okay. So I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, let me go start an insurance business. Cause that's what I'm, I've, I've learned my whole life, right? Contractor growing up. Yeah. You asked the question, I don't know why anybody builds a business. Well, that's cause that's what their daddy taught them. Yeah. That's what my daddy taught me. Some stupid, yeah. some stupid stuff, good stuff, but also at some yeah. point it becomes, you know, not, it's it. hard work, not smart work. So, um, I get re reignited by, um, getting in contact with you. I'm like, dude, why would I go start an insurance business? Let's just go gobble up other things and create a conglomerate. That's right. They already have the book of business. They have the cash flow. You're There's tired sellers straight into cash flow. 
straight into cash flow. And one of the hardest parts about building a business is your first hire, your second hire. You got to go through 20 hires to find a couple of good people. They're already there. They've already done all that work for you for 20, 30 years. They've created a company culture, a local brand. People know who they are. They have return, returning customers. And you weren't there for the first 20 years. So you're adopting 20 years of experience. That's, what we're, that's why building a business is so good. So that's for right. me, I'm, I'm challenging both of you guys. I better own 12 businesses before the end of this year. Let's go. Okay. Ask, ask him about the odds of starting a business. Well, you can ask him, dog. You're right here. Shit. Uh, the odds of starting a business. What, what is the likelihood if you start? Yeah. A, say that. Well, what's, what's the likelihood if you start a business today that you're going to be in business next year, in yeah. five years, and in 10 years? Yeah. I, I, think, so, I think most people in here should kind of know. We've all heard these statistics. I'm going to take a guess. You tell me if I'm wrong. Go on. What's the question again, Abraham? What are, what are the chances if you start a business today that you're actually going to be in business in one year we're, from now? We're looking for a percentage here? Yeah. Yep. Okay. What, what do we think as the audience? What do we Shout out some numbers, guys. What are you thinking? Everybody in the comments, shout out some numbers. 40%? 20%. So 20%. That, means, that would mean one in five businesses succeeds in a couple of years. I don't think it's even that high. So 50% will fail in the first year. Damn. 80% will fail... By year five, 96% will fail by year 10. So Ooh. after 10 years, 24 out of 25 wow. businesses that start today will be dead. So if you go and buy a business that's 10 years old, which is one of the things in my buy box, they've survived all of those odds. They've gone through all of those different things. They've gone through COVID, the global financial bad crisis. Bad partnerships. Bad partnerships. Divorces. Bad employees. Theft. All that crazy stuff. They've gone through all that. They're still around. Go buy that business. It's cash flowing. It's got credit. It's got employees. I like that. Add that. Add, do you add that filter to your buy box, Abraham? Yeah. The, so mine, I don't. I don't necessarily have to have ten years, but I definitely. I'm looking for I'm five looking years for ten or years. I like. Ten like years that. is smarter. Years is smarter. I'm. I'm good with five years or more, but you know, I'm a little bit more picky if it's less than ten years. Love it. I love that. I love that on the, one of the sides of my box that I'm going to create. I'm going to say ten years or more because I yep. them have gone to war with partnerships and. Yep wives and kids that worked in the business and law internal lawsuits and it's bulletproof it, it basically yeah it's a bulletproof business you've made not you've been the four percent have made it through that that yep. tenure yep wow absolutely 96 percent. 96 percent will fail these are michael gerber you're really statistics. making me feel motivated for starting a new business <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's crazy it, it that is absolutely crazy yeah the only business you should ever start is a deal-making business Put that on a t-shirt, dog. Shit. That's the that, only business you should ever start. That's really good. Um, okay, so uh, we've got maybe five more minutes. So you got some, you got a question. Let's do some questions. Because I don't I only want to give people a little bit. I can come back. It's fine. Yeah. No, we're not coming back. Okay. You and, we're going to Tampa. We're now. going to Tampa. We're going to Tampa. We are. Go Dealmaker. to dealmaker.live. I want to hang out with you guys. This will be great. Yeah, I know. Thank you. This will be absolutely great. I'm gonna buy a business this week and you're gonna help me out. Uh-oh, you guys got the smartest man on the planet. <laughs> no, just I'm a simple question. I, Sorry, I, I'm just so curious. How did you get a police escort from the airport? Oh, my gosh, this guy. For the birthday. It's, it, it's a simple phone call. Oh, my gosh. It's a simple really? phone call. I, you could get a police escort for stuff. It's a simple phone call. Wow. Yeah, so how did it happen? So, obviously, I, <clears throat> when I was about to get on the plane, I, I called the hospital, and I told them what was going on. And, obviously, the traffic around the airport is crazy. So I don't know if it was my wife or the hospital. They said, we've got to get this guy there as soon as humanly possible. So the police were waiting for me to get off the plane. 
everybody else thought I was like a criminal or something. Like the guy's been arrested, but uh, they took me in the back of the car. They took me to the hospital and I, and I made it 10 minutes to spare. Out of all the questions you could ask, Armand, <laughs> I freaking love him so much. It's, it's a great question. He, you have that guy next to you. you there's going to be questions that are asked that you never even thought of. It's great. Chad Glover. Oh, Angela Wayne. I, I, I can't tell people who you really are. You're, you're a superhero in disguise. But the, the mastermind students can know <laughs> who you, you really are. You're just Angela Thank Wayne. The, oh, that's kind of funny. Like Bruce Wayne. You are kind of like a superhero. The secret version of you is actually a superhero. Oh, thank you, Chris. I love you. Everybody loves you. So yeah. I have two questions. Uh, with Pace, when we start with the buy box, we all we need to start from which market we buy. Yep. We look at the population growth. We look at the red versus blue, that kind of thing. But when we define the buy box for the market, how do I define that? In other words, here in the real estate, People don't buy in California. Now, when we buy business, is California going to be good? Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm looking for businesses that are in growth markets. I'm looking for businesses that I can add a lot of value to. I'm looking for. We're talking about real estate right now. We're talking about businesses. <laughs> I mean, everything is the same. This is so great. Yeah. So I'll tell you what some of my. I don't favorite. have to learn anything, dude. I'm so good. So some of my favorite industries are, so I want to do deals in sectors that are, that are strong. So I love the home services industry. That is Home crazy. services like cleaning services. So electrical, plumbing, mm. carpentry. Anything. That's not going to be replaced by AI anytime soon. Absolutely not. And if you're a real estate investor and you're in that world, you should be going out and buying those businesses. If you're doing fix and flips in real estate, you see, I've been in sub two, three days and I've got all the lingo down. I know oh, yeah, terms. yeah. So if you're in a fix and flip in real estate, uh, somebody was telling me uh, on Saturday, one of their challenges is they can't find the crews fast enough to do the flips. Go and buy that company. Go and buy the contracting company that's going to do all that work. Uh, so I love home services. I love anything in e-com, especially female health and beauty. That's like one of my big passions right now. That's the business I bought today. It's a female health and beauty e-com. You bought Kylie Jenner's business today? No, not, not, not quite. That'd be dope. Yeah, that, that would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be that good. That would be good. So that's another one of mine. I love professional services companies. So CPA firms, marketing agencies, staffing agencies. Love those businesses. Staffing agencies, I don't, I mean, until you're in a business, you don't really realize how powerful and how important those are. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like we have a full time person between a couple of our businesses. All they do is work with another staffing company all day long, acquiring really quality employees all day long. Yeah. Really, really important. That's so I, cool. I love staffing agencies, and then I love engineering. I love engineering businesses, especially like machine shops and those types of businesses. Okay. They're dominated by retiring baby boomers. They care more about their employees and their legacy than they do about money. They're really stable. They've got fantastic margins. Uh, they're all B2B businesses, so anything in automotive, anything in, in um Aerospace, all those types of businesses love those businesses as well. And I own businesses in all of those I, different I love businesses. how even the buy box is based on seller psychology. Yeah. Right. Because even in real estate, we're doing the same thing. Like I, I'll look at a small multifamily. You know, we've got, by the way, Vina Jetty's in the house. Everybody give her some love. <laughs> Vina Jetty. Um, so uh, for me in the seller finance world of multifamily, I go, I'm going to stay between 30 and 150 units because that seller in a lot of ways 
took that was able to take that size of an asset on at their on their own yep. without really a big management team. Yeah. And they become a tired landlord. And also they are also the same demographic. Like I'm going to sell this myself or I'll just hold on to it for forever until I'm completely sick of it. Once you get past 150 units, at least from my calculation, you got a lot of brokers and a lot more people yeah. involved and it becomes more problematic and challenging to do a creative finance deal with 150 units or more. So I'm backing into my buy box yeah. based on seller psychology. Yeah. My version of 150 units is about $10 million in annual business revenue. Wow, when okay. I go above that, I have all those similar challenges. So I stay below that. Love that. Love that. Angela, did you have more questions? Yeah, one more question uh, about the deal source. Again, in real estate, we have unmarked, unmarked off-market, yeah. auction, tax lien, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now for the business, is there anything similar to because we talk, you talk about the broker and the listings. Yeah. But are there anything also similar to the auctions? Buy, buy biz, kind of sell, thing? probably. Yeah. So biz, buy, sell is like the primary MLS. Bro, um, why have we not created an MLS for businesses? Yeah, that's is that a, is that something that's too big of a thing to create? Like somebody bigger than us has to create? No, that's actually something that I'm going to do in the next three to five years. I'm going to create a digital marketplace. Mm -hmm for all the buyers and all the sellers in the United States that want to do deals. And I'll tell you why that's really important. Sometimes sellers, when you talk to them, they and their businesses have not been properly groomed for sale. Mm. They haven't got all their tax returns figured out. They're working on in their business, not on their business. And psychologically, they've not prepared themselves for what I call the afterlife, the new season. So I want to also coach sellers to get their businesses in that optimal condition to be sold. So if I'm training tens of thousands of buyers how to do deals, I'm training tens of thousands of sellers how to get their businesses ready, then I can become the digital marketplace that just connects everybody together. So it, that, that's my mission. This it's, is why I'm such a, this. it's such a big opportunity because if you look at the uh, real estate world before the MLS existed, yeah. Yeah. It's very much like the business environment right now. Like there's yeah. some websites that are doing certain things, but yeah. you haven't had one place. Like somebody that figures that out, that's a multi-billion dollar idea. Yeah. Absolutely huge. Thank you. Couple of questions. We we here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do three questions. We're gonna wrap it up because we have a team that I told them I'd be let them go five minutes ago. So we'll be Tanisha's like, yes, that's good boy, Pace. Good boy, good boy. Three questions. Um, before we go into the questions, I want to remind everybody, where do we go if you want to come out to Tampa? Dealmaker.live. Deal if you guys didn't know it, that means I didn't say it enough. That means I've said it enough. Dealmaker.live. I'll be there. Abraham Gray. Abraham Gray, are you going to wear shoes or are you going to wear sandals? Oh, no way. Do you want me to bring you some Yeezys? <laughs> they have, they have um, sandal Yeezys if you want to get some of those. No, you look so good in sandals, bro. You need to have a logo on your shirt that's like your foot in a sandal. It's great. <laughs> Vina, Je Vina Jetty, are you ready for some Vina Jetty? I have a question. Love it. Okay, so what would you say the single biggest mistake buyers and sellers make? Like as a buyer, what's the single biggest mistake? And as a seller, what's the single biggest mistake? Wow. Yeah, great question. Biggest mistake a buyer will make is trying to do deals outside of their lane without having a partner. So I have a student in my protege program that he's a global sales director for IBM. 
So he should be buying a technology company. Like, oh my God, everyone's going to want to sell to him. He wants to buy a vineyard. And I said to him, like, dude, why do you want to buy a vineyard? He's like, I freaking love wine. I drink it every night. I said, great, but do you know how to grow it, harvest it, ferment it, sell it? Do you know how to operate a vineyard? He's like, no. So why on earth would you buy a vineyard? Because I'm really passionate about it. Great. Just go and find an operating partner. You can do the deal together. He can run the business. You can, you can drink the wine and you can share in the cash flow. So staying in your lane is, it, it makes it so much easier um, to do that. The biggest mistake a seller will make is not being psychologically prepared for an exit. And you've got to think about all of these business owners, these boomers. They've been in their businesses 10, 20, 30, 40 years. I've they, got one I'm negotiating right now, 50-year trucking company. They've probably spent more time in that business than they have with their own family. No doubt. And for some of them, it's like, it's like giving up their child. You know, and they're just they're not ready. They haven't figured out what are they going to do in their afterlife. So the, one of the first things I ever ask a seller is, what are you going to do next? Like, what are you, are you going to go play golf, go on vacation? You're going to start another company? Like, what are you going to do? A lot of the times, say, well, I've not thought about that. Well, you need to figure that out. Otherwise, you're going to get buyers. You're going to get seller's remorse. In the middle of the deal. When I, when I take over your business and you have nothing to do after the handover period, sometimes, like when I left HP, I, I was really depressed after about three weeks because I had nothing to do. Apart from changing, you call them diapers, right? Changing diapers. What do you guys call them? Uh, Nap nappies. 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 Yeah. yeah. Nappies. That's so, we take nappies in the afternoon. Yeah. Nappies. <laughs> so um, after about three weeks of changing nappies, uh, I, I I had nothing else to do. I had no hobbies. I I've been a Wall Street guy all my life. I didn't know how to play golf. I didn't know how to do anything else. That was my life. So the biggest mistake a seller can make is not knowing what they want to do. And sometimes as a buyer, you've got to future pace them through that. And I actually do that to help sell the negotiation on the deal. I'll say, imagine, you know, we do this deal. You, I can have you out of this deal in four days. You're what are you, what are you talking about do? business? Yeah. Or, or what are you going to do on Friday? You're going to go on vacation? You know, are you going to spend more time with your children, your grandchildren? Like, you're going to play more golf? Like, what's a new hobby? Do you want to learn a language? You know, is there something that you can do? And like on one deal... I didn't make a closing payment. I paid for the guy to go on a woodworking course. It was $3,000. He's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, well, what are you passionate about? He said, I love wood. I love woodworking. I said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. I will pay for you to go on this woodworking course so you can learn this new skill, and then you can do that in the next season of your life. And he wasn't worried about the closing payment. I don't care about that. I bought him the woodworking course. And for that to cement the relationship – and max out that rapport that got me the deal done. Do you guys like the way he talks too? Oh. Thank you. He, Thank you. He, the way he says rapport says rapport. Rapport. I love it. And then also, what, what do you guys call yourself? Motorways. 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 Yeah, I love it. Um, we, okay, we, two more questions. Chad Glover. Yes. The North, hey, Chad. North Carolina lover. Yes. <laughs> so, real quick question. He said something about um, getting an attorney. Then a broker went down a list. At what point do you go to the attorney? Is yeah, that's a great question. Let's. So, I don't know if people could hear you in the audience. Let me just reiterate the question. At what point do you go to an attorney? So as soon as humanly possible, because these are all people that can send you deals. If you're buying a business, you absolutely need an attorney. Unless you're an attorney and you want to do the legal paperwork. It's like 
when you're buying and selling real estate, you need a lawyer to transact that paperwork to pay for the deal for you. So one of the mistakes some buyers make is they only go and start networking with attorneys just before they're ready to close the deal. If you do it now, when you first start and you start to build those relationships, they will send you deal flow. They're all connected into the small business marketplace. They will have access to deals that a broker's never going to see. 80% of all businesses that do sell, those 206,000, sell off market. Only about 20% sell through the broker sites. Very interesting. So you're leaving a lot of deals on the table if you don't network with these dealers. And, and here's the other thing, Chad. Do you see, did you notice who Vina Jetty traveled with this weekend? Who did she travel with? Her attorney. Okay. She, it, you, you become friends with your attorney. Nick, by the way, uh, wonderful securities attorney. How can people use you as a securities attorney? Is there a website you got? Not deal, don't say dealmiker.live. We've already said that enough. <laughs> what, what's a way for people to utilize you as a securities attorney? He's amazing, by the way. Uh, probably the easiest way is if you go on my Instagram, at Nick the Lawyer. Um, the link will have how you can Catch contact it. me, website, phone, schedule an appointment, all that good stuff. That's the, Nick that's has a, no K, by the way. Oh, Nick without a K, N-I-N-I-C. So uh, at, at Nick the Lawyer, does this make you think at all? I'm just thinking from an attorney standpoint, like I want to expand my business as an attorney. Do you go, I'm going to go hire and train associates or do you now after listening to this, you go, oh, damn, I wonder if I could go and acquire attorneys that maybe are not as great at marketing as you are, maybe not as outward, outward facing where you can go and network with the Vina Jetties, the Pace Morbies of the world that are like, I can't get enough business, but I'd love to, could you go gobble up? Or are you thinking about maybe potentially this could be an opportunity for you? Yeah, so this actually kind of reaffirms something that was kind of just teetering before, um, mm -hmm. uh, buying actual practices that do areas that I don't already do. Oh, damn. That are ancillary to what I do. That. That's smart. So a lot of clients always ask, do you do estate planning? I don't. And I've gotten that question probably 20 times just this year. And damn. so I was like, I need to have an estate damn. planning law firm. So that's good. That's like one thing that, that I'm going to definitely look into now. Damn, you must be a deal maker. You must have been to, <laughs> gone to dealmaker.live and gone to Tampa, Florida. <laughs> Um, Carly or Sarah, please put in dealmaker.live. Um, one last question. We do have to get the team to go home. I will let Marta, let's let, we'll do both. We got to be fast. Marta, you go. So question, uh, do you purchase businesses for cash flow, or is it more like multifamily where you fix up the business, make it run really well and sell it with the big profit or both? I'm doing both. both? Absolutely. And at what point would you sell? When is a good time to sell? It kind of depends, really. Um, like a lot of businesses that I buy, they, they don't do a lot of great marketing. So through my network and through also buying other businesses, I can grow that business exponentially. One of the favorite things that I like to do is something called a roll-up, where I'm buying multiple businesses. That's in the, the fruit same. thing, right? Yeah. They re-roll up the fruit roll-ups? Yeah. So we're just buying lots and lots of businesses within the same sector, and then you're just building the cash flow a lot faster. Businesses sell for multiples of cash so flow. So this is what you would do with maybe a CPA. You'd go out and get yeah. a bunch of CPA Go buy 10 of them. Go buy 10. You roll them all up into one. Absolutely the right. The Carl Allen CPA firm. The Carl Allen CPA firm. I like that. That's a good yeah. drink to it. Um, yeah. It sounds like the three ways to make money in, in real estate are the same three ways to make money in businesses, which is I can wholesale them. Yep. I can fix them up and flip them. Yep. Or I can just buy and hold them and keep That's them. That's right. Damn. Real estate. Okay. One last question. 
Thank you, Nathan. So my question is, I know that you said you're buying boxes or part of your buying boxes uh, services yes. in manufacturing. Yes. So it caught my attention because I have experience on both of them. Great. Um, my question is, how do you manage the transition from licensing on services? Yeah. Or, and also, how do you manage the transition uh, or look at blueprints or trademarks in manufacturing? How do you, how do you yeah. know about that? So, so I think there's two questions to that, I think. When you talk about um, there's licenses required for some industries, some businesses, Correct. and then obviously you've got uh, trademarks and other things that a business will own. Well, those are intangible assets, so they will come with the balance sheet of the business. So those are, are assets owned by the business. Some businesses, though, need licenses to actually trade and operate. So... If, uh, if the owner's got that license, if you don't have a license, you'll need to partner with somebody that has that license with you so that the business remains compliant. Or there will be employees in the business that have those licenses, and you can promote them, and they can be your general manager. So I, I own 20 different businesses, and, and I don't work in any of them. I have operating partners that run those businesses. So my HVAC businesses, I own four of them. Uh, I don't own the license. I don't know how to do that stuff. Uh, I know how to do the deals, and I know how to creatively grow the businesses. It's my operators with those licenses that are in there doing that. Okay. Thank you. Great question. Guys, let's give Carl Allen a round of applause. Thank you, guys. Pretty dope, pretty dope, pretty dope. I'm, I'm hoping you get a TV show with A&E so we can hang out a lot more. That would be awesome. That would be. Where do I sign be, up for that? Uh, right there, Brad from A&E. We call him Rad Let's Brad. Go. Rad, Rad Brad. Um, really appreciate you coming this whole freaking weekend, man. Guys, give it up for Brad hanging out. Wow, 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 wow. This live audience is a vibe. I love this. This is so cool. This is a vibe. We, we got to switch it up, dude. Now I'm, I'm like reimagining the whole podcast. This is great. Uh, Carl, thank you, brother. Really appreciate you. Appreciate I'll, see, I'll see you in Tampa. Yeah. Dealmaker.live Tampa. That's February 24th, 25th, and 26th. Yes, sir. I will be hanging out all the way until the 28th because on the 27th, I'll take people out some properties. We'll go do some property walkthroughs. So you'll not only learn creative um, business acquisitions, yep. but I'll take you to a couple of my creative properties. You guys can drive out there, Uber out there. It's like I have a couple of properties within five miles from the hotel that we're going to be hanging out. You do too? Let's do a property off. That's amazing. Wow, bro. Uh, so Abraham Gray, Carl Allen, and myself will be out there at dealmaker.live. We look forward to seeing you. And Sarah, you can end the live right now, guys. Thank you for so Bye much guys. for being on, on Get Creative. Boom, 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 boom.